Welcome to the Transapocalyptic Oasis show. I am Marshall Eon, and uh, this is the show where people come to say things that get them canceled. I'm here with uh, Brandon Norgierard or something like that. I mean, how do, how do you say your name? Okay, well, you know, I was always told it's uh, Norgard. Uh, my, my dad was uh, from a... Uh, Minnesota, where there's a lot of uh, Scandinavian diaspora. Now, actually, I went to uh, Norway and Denmark, uh, and I asked them, you know, how do you pronounce my name the right, the right way? And I had to have like 10 people help me with it, and I still couldn't get it. And I've been working with a lot of uh, Nordics, you know, in the last uh, year, a lot of metamodern people there, you know people who I work with uh, quite closely on a lot of these product projects, and they're still trying to help me get it. And I think it's something like Nogal. Nogal. You don't pronounce the D. That sounds like a racial slur, man. Yeah, well, you know, that's uh, it's funny because there's actually a word in the English language, niggardly, which also comes from, no, seriously, that's a word. It's, and it has, no, I know it is, but now we're getting banned from etymologically YouTube. unrelated to the N word. And it is, it comes from Scandinavian, from the Scandinavian language. I know, but you're not a allowed to say words, that anymore. A lot of words in the English language come from, from Scandinavian, you know, like maybe about 10% of the lexicon in the English language. And this is one of them. And it means stingy, right? That's what the word means. And but you're not allowed to say it anymore because it sounds too similar to the N word. So there's that. And I guess my last name sort of does, but but uh, sorry about that. Yeah. Okay. That's maybe that's why I pronounce the D, even though in in Scandinavia they don't. Um, it's also because I'm a dumb American. I don't. I'm, yeah, I'm out are. of touch with my cultural heritage. So there was that. You remember that. Uh... There's a professor at um, University of Southern California, and he was using a word, a Chinese word that sounds like a racial slur. He was, it was like a, he was teaching filler words, like um, er, like you know those kinds yep. of filler words. Yep. And he says in China, the common pause word is that 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 which in chinese would be nega 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 mm. uh which apparently triggered his students and i don't know maybe he got canceled or something yeah yeah you gotta he was watch suspended out. <laughs> he was suspended watch out for teaching another them thing, chinese another thing that you need these days is you need like a forethought and a foresight into what was will be uh, you know, hypersensitive down the line, some years down the line, you know, you, yeah. you, you, you can, you can try to abide by the current Anything standards. with an N and, or, and a G in yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, now that we're, uh, now that the show's been canceled on YouTube, uh, what are you, what are you doing here? What are you, what are you working with metamodernists for? Oh yeah. You know, I've, I've got, aren't this, they the uh, enemy? Aren't metamodernists the enemy? Yeah, you know, the enemy of integralists. Yeah. Isn't there like I, a turf war or something? There's yeah, I don't I think that there's a like some cooperation there, you know? And actually I draw from integral and metamodernism. There's a little bit of a hair splitting difference, you know. 
I guess everyone's got a, you know, what is the difference? The narcissism of small differences, you know? Well, I guess we could break it's not it down. the size and, that matters. Yeah, you know, and, and actually just in a couple hours, I'm doing a presentation on what is integral. And not that I'm an expert on this. It's just that I was kind of confused about this. And I put together a little write-up on a few different possibilities on what integral theory could be. Because I don't think it should be based on any one particular person's stuff. I mean, if you say, well, integral is Ken Wilber. Well, that's, I mean, that's pretty lame, you know. And there's other integral theorists, you know, um, it's not just a, a club worshiping Ken Wilber. So I'm trying to, we're, we're going to talk about that. And that's also going to be on uh, YouTube, you know. So for anybody watching this out there, you can go to my Enlightened Worldview channel and, uh, and you can check that video out as well. And uh, so, so what is the difference? You know, uh, you know I guess uh, Ken Wilber, he's, uh, he's one of the first to really, you know, integrate all these different lines of thought and philosophy from the East and West continental uh, and analytic and, uh, you know, ancient, medieval, early modern, contemporary, and bring it together, right? Not necessarily the only one, but he's bringing it together and he's integrating and he's talking about, he's getting into a lot of spirituality and stuff. And some people were like, okay, so hold on. Can we get a little more grounded and to try to deal with the big challenges in the world? So we don't need all that spiritual woo-woo stuff. And we can kind of ground it in political and economic stuff. And they're the, they're the meta-modernists, you know. But older, overall, I would say there's, there's a lot of, you know, cooperation, you know. I was recently in Berlin with, uh, at the Emerge Gathering, which was very much a meta-modern thing. But there was welcoming to integral theory as well. Wait, what's the difference again? I don't know. It's, uh, you don't know? No, well, yeah. So the Does difference is kind of just a little bit of an orientation, a little more toward the political and economic uh, situation. Uh, political and, and economic versus spiritual. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but there's enormous overlap. Yeah. So emphasis. There, yeah. The, the, so, I mean, in all cases, you have a lot of emphasis on developments, like psychological, sociocultural development, and also... I'm pretty sure metamodernists embrace some of the core, you know, uh, integral uh, ideas like the the quadrants interior and exterior and, you know, uh, singular and plural and all of that. There isn't a lot of controversy on those matters. I see. So what are you working with metamodernists on? Well, yeah, you know, I've got my own little project here. Yeah, the enlightened worldview, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to think, you know, for one thing, I was thinking, okay, you guys have brought, you guys have come up with all this amazing stuff in the integral theory and in metamodernism and also in game B. And I can go to most people uh, on the street and they don't know about this shit, right? So is there some sort of way in which we could take a lot of these brilliant ideas and like I kind of boil it down to what, uh, you know, content that can be understandable and engaging and inspiring to people who don't have a background in this area that they could actually utilize some of this and embrace it. Utilize. Uh, yeah. Yeah. To, to improve their life, their family, their community, 
their nation and their world, right? There's Damn. a, there's a, so yeah, I know. I was like, I'm learning about this. So I'm like, this shit can, could save the world, but nobody understands. I know, it. man, you've got this uh, whole savior thing going on. No, it's not. I, I, it's like all of us, like the there's pieces of the puzzle coming together. Right. And this, I'm not even the one who came up with this shit. The, the saviors are the ones who came up with it. I'm just, I'm just funneling it. That's all I'm doing. Who are the you saviors? Know? You, bro. <laughs> so we met. We met at this uh, gathering that I guess Bruce was putting on, or yeah. no, you were. Yeah, he and I were talking, and we decided we were going to put on something like that. Um, and it was and, a bunch of people like the talking yeah. about how to save the world, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was the, the meta crisis. Yeah, I was the prick that was like, I don't think we're going to save the world here. Yeah, well, it's like I think, I think that you I was got saying we're going to address, not save, or because uh, I remember I said that we're going to address the meta crisis by uh, finding a way to take some of the content that we're talking about, some of these big ideas, and convey it to people in a way that they can understand, so that they can improve their life and they can also have a greater embrace of the community. Right? Is that possible, or is that that we should we just like build a bunker and just go, you know, just ride out the apocalypse there? Is that kind of your yeah? Strategy? Let's build a bunker because that's some people's strategy, you know. It is uh, and then, like you kind of need. Uh, some people are uh, even talking. Some of these real rich people they're talking about like, okay, we need our own private security. You know, and uh, not just just have the bunker, but also have a way to uh, you know have have uh, all the the food and supplies in there, and you know your security guard and all that stuff, so you can set up your own uh, right out the apocalypse there. And I, I guess you know, so that's gotcha. one thing. I, one way I was thinking because I'm not a rich guy is I could I could apply for a job as a security guard with with one of those rich people. I mean, that's just one. You got, you got to, you know, you got to look, look to the future. Somehow. I don't know if I'd hire you as a security guard. You're not a rich guy. You're going to, you're going to be like making peace with the bad guys. I don't know. You, you got to, you got to provide for yourself somehow, right? Okay. Well, what's your strategy? So your quest is to promote peace through societal understanding and inner awareness. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, if you know, a lot of the work, what I'm trying to do is to, to really just take uh, the stuff that's already out there and convey it with, with different language. And that was one attempt to look at, okay, we have the, the, the quadrants or the inner world, you know, and we have this uh, concern for like, you know, the, the, not just the inner world of the self, but also the collective inner world, right? So I'm like, okay, how can we use a language that people might be able to understand? Admittedly, they have to be a little bit educated to even grasp what that slogan means. But that slogan there was, and I put a lot of thought into that with some of my friends. You know, we were like, how can we do this? And if you think it's bullshit, then maybe we'll go back to the drawing board, come up with a new slogan. But you kind of get what I'm saying. What we're, what, what we're getting at here is yeah, like, we wanna how understand, do we convey yeah. anything about integral theory or metamodernism to, to regular people? And maybe my conception of regular people, they're not that regular. They're still pretty, pretty educated. I mean, the, I might be way out of touch with regular, regular people. 
And yeah, pretty, you start I'm out pretty okay. irregular. So I've I think I've clicked I'm on your website and I think yeah. I've clicked the religion stuff or the yeah. religion and secularism. Stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of that stuff is a, a little bit uh hasn't been updated in a little while, but that that religion and secularism presentation was um an attempt to uh you know how could we for some tell everybody are, they're wrong. Yeah, they're starting from a no, no, no. They're starting from a like a religious uh, background and like I want to see that I figure a lot of these people they're they're like religious for a reason they're embracing religion for a reason and they the ones who want to instead go, come from like a you know modern or postmodern perspective they are leaving out some of the important things that people want to embrace religion for so I want to say okay you can still embrace that while embracing you know, modern, uh, you know, science and stuff like that. Does anybody, do religious people like still reject science? Uh, you know, there's like, ends up being a little bit of hostility. To I mean, don't what, they go to the like, doctor still? No, they do. But like, I think a lot of religious people, they, they tend to have hostility and suspicion to some sources without even listening to the content. Like, you know, scientists, blah, 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 not listening to you. You know, uh, there is a lot of, uh, you know, does that scientific still happen illiteracy. or is that just like a caricature? No, it does. They'll like there's scientific illiteracy and it's, and it's because they don't, they don't, um, they, they haven't been able to trust that source, you know, or at least listen, give that uh, enough of a hearing to that source. And I think deep down inside, I mean, a lot they of these still people, drive a car. No, but a lot of these people, they, they, they tend to think, that, you know, if I embrace science, I'm going to have to uh, uh, give up reject Jesus. the entire per meaning and purpose of life. You know, like they're searching for some of that, you know? Yeah. And they, 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 they don't see that, you know, like if, if I embrace science, then, then what's the, the ultimate meaning to, so that's, that's the 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 notion of spirituality. I was trying to get to what is spirituality and how does it differ from secularism? And what I was figuring is that spirituality is the underlying reality behind appearances because it's stuff we don't really see. But there, a lot of times we have to, to go out a little bit on a limb and try to tie things together. So what ties together my life? And the world into a way that actually provides this enduring meaning, whatever that is, you know, there's a related to that, the Verbakian meaning crisis, you know, so embracing something like this doesn't mean that you have to believe in ghosts, but there's, there is some sort of meaning there. And this is, this is missing from the modernists, you know, science, uh, you know, embracing worldview of the, like Steven Pinkers of the world, right? They feel, they fail to see that. Okay, so you're selling phenomenology. Yeah, and admittedly, you know, I know that word is kind of long, but there's a phenomenological. There's, yeah, yeah, I like I like the word phenomenology. Um, there's other ways. Of, I love it. I, I mean, sometimes I could find other ways, but depending on the audience, I might say, you know, don't you want to understand other people's thoughts and feelings and their you know, like you know, where they're coming from in life. And maybe, maybe you could actually understand your own thoughts and feelings a little better. Like that's, that's essentially what I'm getting at with the phenomenology. Yeah. You call it reason spirituality. 
I'm not the one who came up with that, but uh, that term that was a few years ago when I was with the deist uh, community, there were people who liked that. Uh, deist. Term. Yeah. Okay. So reasoned spirituality. Okay. Yeah. Um, what's reasoned about it? Um, well, as opposed to like dogmatic spirituality, and it's like gotcha. kind of a, it's a. I mean, trans- you're basically still rational. asking people to throw away the Bible and embrace phenomenology. Yeah, actually, you know, you could you could definitely. There's plenty of room for people to to maintain their their uh, keep your Bible. religion. You know, there is. There's plenty of room for that, or your Quran, or your whatever. <laughs> You know? Well, here's here's my problem here. Um, phenomenology deals with direct experience, exploring our direct experience. And I remember, I believe it was Almas, uh, who basically said that there were two different kinds of spiritual paths. And I believe the distinction was um, devotional. Yeah. Devotion, devotional paths and awareness paths. Okay. And so phenomenology, you're looking at something that's more like um, an awareness path, right? Like Buddhism or something like that. So it'd be real easy for Buddhists to jump into phenomenology, but the devotional paths are very different. I don't know. Um, Did you You know know these emphasize love? Love and uh, devotion former, to the divine. How about, did you know that uh, former uh, Pope John Paul II got a PhD in phenomenology? You go to, okay. uh, yeah, so did you know that there's a Catholic saint who was a phenomenologist? There's a Catholic saint who's a phenomenologist. Yeah, Edith Stein. Okay. She joined a, she joined a common. You know, and there's and, a Nazi who created phenomenology, yeah. so. Yeah. No, it was, it was I mean, Husserl was uh, one of the, in fact, Heidegger was a Israel student, so depends on. There's different versions of it, different ver- variations. But you're right. You're right. Uh, some like at least two, probably two of the main branches of phenomenology started from Heidegger. That'd be the existential and the hermeneutic. But there's okay, a, it's a right. tradition that goes even further back than that. You know? So you're trying to convert people from like Christianity to to Nazism is what you're saying. <laughs> No, it's uh, like uh, <laughs> I, I think I cu- accuse everybody on this show of being a Nazi at some point or another. So I, I guess that's the case, you know. So anything that the Nazis did, which is, you know, admittedly, there was probably just many, many things in our daily life or that are part of our culture now that somehow the Nazis touched. And some people have criticism, similar criticisms about the Olympic Games. Like, didn't the torch relay start from the 1936 Berlin Games and it was Hitler's idea? If you, if you watch the Olympics, you're a Nazi. Or if you drink, uh, I think that, in fact, it was actually um, that, that fucking guy, I can't remember his name now, the Fahrenheit 9-11 guy. Michael Moore. Michael Moore. He said that uh, because... The Fanta drink um, started from uh, the uh, Coca-Cola plant in Germany during Nazi time. So if you drink Fanta orange, then you are supporting Nazis. Oh, no. 
I don't know anybody that drinks Fanta. Yeah, I mean, there's there's other problems with with uh, drinking high fructose corn syrup. It's you know, Monsanto loves it, but uh, for me, I'm, you know, it's kind of gross. Gotcha. So, so have you succeeded in converting religious people? No, the, the idea is to broaden people's minds to rec- get them to recognize that they can actually maintain their meaning. Yeah, but again, don't. And, don't no, most like, people, most religious people here, like they embrace science to some extent, modernity. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, well, they kind of. I don't know if they're how sincere they are, but they, there's a lot of hostility to science and to you know probably what I would consider more legitimate sources of information. But that's that's a whole ball of wax in itself. But there's they they tend to you know on the basis of just you know I agree with certain sources whatever they're saying is, is, uh, is, you know, true and cut off the other sources. And it te- a lot of the times it tends to be, they, uh, they believe sources that are, uh, hostile to, you know, legitimate sor- science and the other sides that they, they cut off are, are probably a little more scientifically literate, you know? So that seems kind of weird to me, you know, although I'll, I'll admit there's plenty of like, you know, leftists who, they they have some sources that they just think are are 100 legitimate in terms of science. You have, you saw a lot of this last year, you know, during the pandemic of what was the most scientific thing. It was like uh, you know unquestionable gospel that everybody has to stay home and nobody can walk outside the door. You know, right? Remember that? Yeah. I yeah. So both, I, I was both left and the right are beginning. Yeah. Yeah. They pick and choose like what kind yeah. of science they like. Yeah. Like the left is inclined to ignore like biological sex differences. Yeah. <clears throat> Biology is, is bigotry. <laughs> so. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I think I, I still think the, the challenge, the real challenge is like, not getting people to loosen their grip on their Bibles, but to like stop listening to Alex Jones. Yeah. Well, he warned us about the gay frogs though, right? Right. Turn the freaking frogs gay. <laughs> yeah. Which is true. Isn't it? I don't know. I mean, uh, there was some sort of a, uh... Concern, actually, I think what he might have actually been highlighting at that moment when he was talking about that was that uh, there's pollution in these endocrine disruptors that could actually be harmful to uh, wildlife, and there, there some of them there are not going to be able to reproduce. Now, typically, though, he isn't that concerned. Most of the time, he's not that concerned or doesn't put that much heat on these big corporations and their pollution of the environment. Normally. He doesn't care. Um, so, so he's very picky choosy in that oh, regard. Right. Yes. He, he tends to have much, much more uh, suspicion of any government doing something rather than corporations. Now, I think that the corporations, the major global multi-billionaire or even trillionaire corporations are the ones that are, uh, you know, the biggest challenge to our, our livelihood and our uh, stability in the world. Yeah, so like I'm looking at this study uh, from Duke University, 
It's about endocrine disruptors and intersex frogs. And I can't decide if it's, if it's a hoax or what. It's using feminist studies and critical discourse analysis and colonial and racial logics to look at the problem of, <laughs> of environmental toxicants uh, and inter- pesticide-exposed intersex frogs. Yeah, that'd be kind of funny for, you know, maybe some in like the very postmodern, you know, eco, like uh, gender critical feminist uh, studies to be like, you know, like, who are you to say what, you know, if those if those frogs want to have a sex change, who are you to <laughs> tell them what sexuality to be? Maybe there isn't a problem with polluting the environment, right? Yeah. This essay brings together several fields that often speak past one another, including queer and feminist environmental studies, critical science studies, critical animal studies, and critical race studies, queer eco-criticism, and feminist environmentalism. I wasn't aware of all those uh, fields. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty out of it, you know, even though I, I live here in Northern California, dude. you know, like Berkeley is right there. UC Davis is even closer for from where I live. How, how are you going to produce an enlightened worldview without queer ecologies? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, aren't you just reinforcing heteronormativity? I would hope not. Gosh, you know, uh, but like I was saying, I, what I tend to focus on more, the things that have the bigger impact, a lot of this, uh, you know, queer studies or whatever is a big distraction from the things that are, you know, like people actually need food and shelter. You know, we need like, you know, an actual, uh, we need, we need ecosystems to function so that we can live here. We need, you know, air. We can't do that under the specter of white supremacy and patriarchy. (laughs) How dare you? Yeah. I'm literally shaking right now. But I'm that's so what, so I tend so to think of those as, you know, very much distractions, you know, and all this, uh, you know, we got to have just the right languaging and we got to be all uh, hypersensitive to to little, you know, slights of, you know, someone saying the wrong thing. You know, let's look at the, the bigger factors. And this almost seems like a freaking conspiracy theory by the major corporations to get uh, to take our eyes off the ball. Right. We're fighting with each other over like. You know, okay, that's fair. shit when when uh, yeah, they love that shit. <laughs> I can't believe this is a real paper. Um, contributors to queer ecology ecologies have playfully framed endocrine disrupting toxicants as opportunities to disrupt the social equation of binary sex and biological reproduction. Who? Where did this story come from? What, where, is, did this come out of uh, UC this Berkeley is, or? No, this is Duke. Duke, all right. Supposedly. Um, these papers have helpfully tempered some of this excitement about environmental toxicants by highlighting the racialized and sexualized trajectories of environmental toxicants. So, you know. And then it goes into feminist new materialism uh, and object-oriented feminisms have offered generative ways to think about environmental harm from the perspective of seemingly inanimate objects, 
such as rocks. So this isn't the sort of thing that goes through my mind that that much, this sort of stuff. I mean, admittedly, maybe I'm a little out of it, but uh, so I, I mean, you can't pay attention to everything all the time. And I tend to focus more on uh, what I see as the, 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 the factors that uh, are contributing the most to our meta crisis and uh, rampant environmental degradation and the uh, income inequality and the lack of, you know, the, the opportunities for people to provide for themselves in this uh, in this world, where where some people have all the resources seemingly, and some people are just struggling to get by. So this sort of shit um, that you were reading just now, I uh, kind of I'm not really following that. This is important to liberate. Uh, marginalized people so that they can survive in this world. And marginalized frogs too, right? Right. All kinds of amphibians. Your, hey, uh, your screen is getting all weird on me there. I, I don't know. This might be in out the... Here. Yeah, this would probably find its way into the, the recording as well. You're this not stabilized. Trippy, yeah. Do you have any idea what's going on there? Uh, no, but uh, I'm about to find out. Yeah. It's all right. Well, we can continue. Hallelujah. Okay. So back to the enlightened worldview. Okay. Yeah. So we've got religion. We've got a new methodology, a scientific paradigm. Mm -hmm. It integrates so, phenomenology with yeah. social, biological, and physical sciences. How yeah, do you do so that? That methodology is more, some of it is to embrace the, uh, to make, try to make more mainstream some of the things that have already been uh, developed um, in recent years. Um, part of it is it's an embrace of some aspects of integral theory and metamodernism. Uh, there, there's, there's probably quite a bit of uh, integral theory um, that uh, doesn't need to be fully embraced for, for this particular task at hand. You know, I don't need to get into all of the, uh, that stuff, but some of it is based on, you know, uh, an adaptation of the aqua model. And it's also based on like trying to scale up phenomenology to a larger uh, community-wide or society-wide scale. Yeah, how the hell are you going to do that? You know, it's kind of hard. We're going to see if we can. So the, the pro project is it is a collaborative effort. Um, I, uh, it, I'm not really doing all of it myself, and I kind of have a hunch about how it's going to work, which is to get into the um, most uh, granular way in which we can have reliable understanding um, reliable mutual understanding of aspects of the inner world and use that, uh, uh, bring those together into uh, processes that are like paradigms and then full on methodologies, you know, that that would then in turn integrate that sort of intersubjective understanding with the objective understanding. Yeah. It's ambitious, man. A lot of the pieces are already kind of out there. I mean, the, uh, we just need to come together and recognize this sort of, I think that one, one thing is that my approach uh, is not universally accepted. 
because I want to think about like the granularity of how how the processes through which we we come up we we develop this knowledge and bring things together into these processes that can then be sort of repeated, um, you know, kind of like a, you have a circle of of a process, you know, do this, do this, and then repeat, you know, if necessary, and those those feed into a greater process. So it's like a circle within a circle, you know, um, and uh, not everyone saw, uh, does think want us to do things that way. You have, uh, for example, Nora Bateson with her, uh, uh, you know, warm data, and they they definitely don't really. Uh, she does, she's not into the um, uh, granularization and uh, the sort of attempt to be like kind of scientific like, like I'm doing. So that's what I'm trying to do is trying to make it more scientific. Now, in, I, one thing that hasn't been sorted out is, is this really a science or is it maybe kind of science adjacent? Is it science-like? Science-y. Is it kind of science? I think that it can be. Uh, there, an integration of phenomenology and objective science can be more uh, reliable and evidence-based and repeatable. I think it can be, and we can scale that up to a, a greater uh, society-wide scale to actually have uh, interventions, reasonable interventions for societal transformation. And uh, I think that... Uh, some of that would be embraced by, uh, you know, people like Nora Bateson, but, but I don't think that she would want to get all, you know, uh, sciencey with it, you know, approach. So well, the people start who some controversy with. over, um, <laughs> stage theory. Yeah. She doesn't like it. And, and you do as well. So you'd be on the, uh, other side of things. I think. Wait a sec. Say? I don't yeah. like stage theory. No, you, I, it's I, from some of the work you've done, I think that you have a embraced stage theory, right? Like where people can and societies go through stages of development. So she's against that. She has more of a holistic way of doing things. So uh, these attempts to be differentiate are, are kind of antithetical to her uh, more holistic method. Well, I kind of like the post-progressive approach of uh, treating stages as types. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I think that she might have a problem with types as well, though. You know, is she okay with any kinds of distinctions? I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. So, I, admittedly, I don't. You know what? I don't know that much about um, the warm data yet. I just I, because of it, there's so many things I gotta fucking learn here. I'm, I've been learning met, in, integral theory and metamodernism, and back in August, she posted to freaking Facebook and, about how uh, stage theory is bullshit and uh, colonial as hell, and then I don't know. Did you join? Yeah. Did you join that? And the other side was Hansi Freinacht, you know. And there were different camps. Or were you on, you know, the Hansi side, or were you on the Nora side, you know? And I found myself on the Hansi side. It was a big, it was a big brawl. And then Nora didn't show up in in Berlin for the uh, merge gathering because she said it would just be people talking about talking about talking. Fair. And admittedly, we did a lot of talking. You know, and in some cases, we talked about talking. I'm not sure if we talked about talked about talking, though. I'm not sure if we took we're doing it to it that now. level of double meta. We're doing that. You know. We're talking about talking about talking. But then, did we do it then, though? 
I think that we made some progress at the Emerge Gathering. We did some cool stuff, you know? Okay. What does she do? Nora Bateson. She yeah. runs the Bateson Institute. Which so is what a do they do? continuation of her... Her father was uh, the one of the founders of, of Institute complex, for Systemic complexity, Leadership, complexity theory, and, and ecology. Yeah. So, like I said, I don't know that much about it. I mean, I've learned a lot in the last year about all these different advanced thinking. And uh, the one thing I just wanted to—I only mentioned her because just to say that um, among the people who are like advanced, like next level thinkers who are like. This is what we the world needs. There's some disagreement, you know, and she's a kind of the leader of one camp, and I'm a, not in that camp, you know. There's there's probably other camps that I don't I'm not on board with. I don't know. I'm opposed to most camps. Yeah, but you it's seem to be them. you seem to be uh, a uh, into personality types, like okay, that that what you do, sort of. Yeah, yes. I do I think personalities. I, remember, I think I remember you said in one in one of your prior videos, you said you had moved out of Northern California. Is that right? That's right. Huh. So I, well, this I was is where I am now. How you're you're there? I'm okay. in the post-apocalypse. Yeah. But you, I think that in the video, what what I kind of found uh, weird. Did you you said something like you you moved out of Northern California like a year ago? And I was wondering how is why is it that you were at the park? you know, in the Bay area in August, did you come out from, that's a like, good question. They, did you come they out there just to see me air, airplanes. Did you come out there just to see me. And if so, that's kind of sad. Hell no. I didn't even know who you were. <laughs> I didn't even know you existed. Yeah. Until you were getting mad at me for ruining your picnic. Yeah. Well, you were like, we were talking about the meta crisis, like all these problems and the environmental challenges. I didn't even know what we were talking about. <laughs> So that was that was what kind of pissed me off. Well, no, but our, well, we're talking about environmental challenges and we're talking about political and economic and sociocultural challenges and maybe leading to a new civil war. And you're like, I just don't care. You know, so. Yeah, that wasn't it wasn't that. And, and we had uh, some people uh, joining remotely. That's what made a little I don't bit. Know. Some people liked my perspective. Yeah. yeah, sure. Some people like it was like a hybrid event. Some people were actually there in the park. And that was the idea for me. I wanted to have more of a in-person like we can see each other in the uh, eye to eye. Yeah. But some people wanted to join remotely. Right. And, uh, and then we had, you know, essentially Brent Cooper member. And uh, he, he's kind of. Uh, uh, reverted to like just bomb throwing mode the last couple of years, at least, you know? Yeah. So. He, he and I were sort of, uh, it was, we were strange bedflow bedfellows. We were uh, both sort of just dropping bombs and urinating all over everything. Yeah. All right. Anyway, he I apologize. hasn't attacked me yet, but uh, maybe that's because I, I'm not notable. Yeah. You need to say something about him. Like, to trigger him and I, I think I said uh so he uh just a couple of weeks ago on Twitter um so like uh Jordan Hall said Zuckerberg stay away from the word meta and then he wrote back saying Jordan where are you going with this tweet or even ever and I wrote back to him saying uh you know that that event where you come uh, was on the stoa a few months ago where he confronted uh, uh, Jordan, and it was a big pile of shit. He was just like, "How come you 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 won't you read my critiques and 
<laughs> just about like it's just fucking stupid shit, right? What happened? Yeah. It's, so Peter Lindbergh didn't even actually publish this video, but they had a, a debate between Brent and, and Jordan, you know, and it was pretty freaking stupid. It wasn't okay. even, it was supposed to be an anti debate, but it was just, just Brent going, How come you haven't read my critiques? And then Jordan's just like, just like not even saying anything. Jordan's like, Who are you? Yeah. Wow. Okay. But anyway, so so the fact that that he we 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 did have some people joining remotely, including him, that kind of changed the tone um, of the event. You know, I wanted it to be more like we're looking each other in the eye here. We're all at this park, and we can have this sort of like you know thoughtful sort of. From my my perspective, my approach is to be you know I want to be like sometimes forceful like in terms of like we need to wake up and realize what what's going on here but not in sort of an antifa sort of way or an sjw type sort of way um and not in a, a bolshevik type of way as as brent cooper does essentially like he wants to send everyone to the gulag so <laughs> <laughs> so he was joining and it changed the tone you know because he was there you know yeah it was awkward the hybrid approach doesn't really work that well yeah, it's kind of weird. Okay. So um, but you came up, you came out for that. You were like, you live in Colorado. You came out for that event? No, 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 no. You just happened to be in town? I just happened to be in town. All right. For a few weeks. And, uh, you know, Bruce is a friend of mine. Yeah. All right. But you most and of the time you live in Colorado or you live in some sort of bunker somewhere? At the moment, yeah, I'm yeah. in a bunker in Colorado. Right. Galt's right. Gulch. Have you uh, joined uh, the, the, the Wilbur Colts? Is that because that's based there, you know, right? Uh, I don't know. Is that why you moved to Colorado to be closer to the Wilbur Colts? No. Oh. Not at all. I can't say I had good reasons or any reasons really yeah, to, right. move, to move here. Oh, okay. I was just trying to get away from the Bay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I live in San Francisco. I live in Folsom, which is, you know, a little ways from, from there, a couple hours away. Yeah. We still got our, our problems here though. You know, um, I like, like for example, uh, like home in Sacramento, like, lots of people lots, are too white or home- something. Yeah. Lots of homelessness. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. You still got lots of homelessness. Things are still really expensive. There were still riots last year in a lot of cities, including including Sacramento and stuff, you know. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So so you're writing a book? Yeah. Yeah, the book is essentially uh, a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. It's, it's also uh, supposed to uh, go along with a course to train community leaders to promote better sense making, better inner and outer sense making, you know, among their members and to promote civic engagement and scientific literacy and um, also embracing things like uh, authentic relating it nonviolent communication. So rolling a lot of that stuff up together, there's already organizations that are doing stuff like that, but I kind of saw that the ones that are out there didn't seem to be embracing, uh, you know, uh, integral and metamodernism hardly at all. 
So you're incorporating like in authentic relating? Uh, no, it's just like, that's just, uh, that's an Are you into that? Yeah, sort of like the circling. So that's sort of so one of the things that would be incorporated into the, um, the training plans that we have. Um, so we want to actually, we want to do like where we would train community leaders and also have a consulting where we would show them how to implement it at there by, by starting with groups, meetings that, that don't even necessarily involve anything other than like it could start from book clubs or film clubs or discussions on, you know, current events. And you would actually have a way to work in some of these ideas, you know, and some of these, these meeting groups, they would, some of the members, some of the people would be more interested in certain things than others, but there would be like, you know, uh, ways in which they would uh, overlap with each other, sort of. And um, some of it would also like it involve like hiking groups, you go on little hikes and you talk about stuff and it, it, it works in like this notion of Bildung. That's, that's the thing. It's a word we're trying to uh, promote, you know, Bildung. You heard the word? I've heard the word. Yeah. So it's uh, self-cultivation. Yeah, lifelong learning and community development all working hand in hand. So it's a lot of it's based on the Nordic model for this. And we figure in the U.S. we could implement it with, as I was saying, uh, a lot of these uh, meeting groups uh, that would usually be in person, but maybe also virtual, led by community leaders who would then be able to leverage some aspects of integral theory, metamodernism, and work that into the conversation, you know, and also like nonviolent communication, uh, you know, that's, that's the idea, you know, there's quite a bit there, but like, again, these pieces were developed by other people. They just need to come together. It's like building a puzzle and implementing it on the ground. Right. And so have you actually done like circling? Oh yeah. So I've done that with them. Uh, with the circling community and other other like in the stow and stuff and i'm not sure how much of this we we would like uh implement uh you know or exactly how we would implement it the one thing that i have a lot more experience doing are leading leading uh meeting groups to talk about current events and like getting into philosophy and like uh having a way in which we can talk about any any kind of issues without getting uh hostile and also getting starting from like things that it, like start from things that are entertaining to people, but also connect to their practical life. Like we're going to talk about books or films, and then you can use that sort of artistic uh, ideas to, to develop a greater awareness, you know? And so I've had a lot of experience for years doing those groups. So a lot of this stuff has to do with like developing social cohesion. Yeah. And a critique of the integral community frequently is that, okay, it facilitates social cohesion, but not task cohesion. So people don't have a shared goal that they're working on, working towards. Yeah. So that's, I think, where we would embrace more metamodernism where they actually have a way of connecting it to practical application more so. It's about focus. How many aspects of, of integral theory are you focused on? And we were going to like de-emphasize the sort of like, oh, we're just going to develop ourselves spiritually so much, so much. 
we're going to like, okay, we're not really going to emphasize that quite so much because that's a, doesn't really, uh, you know, address the practical challenges that people have here. Um, and, uh, so, so, so that's why it's a little more. So how is it more practical? What's that? How is it more practical? Metamodernism. Yeah. It will because, well, it gets into addressing the political and economic challenges that people are facing. They can leverage this, th- these ideas to actually improve their life. So what does it do? Give them new politics to believe in? How is that not social cohesion? Yeah, so like he's, is it, there's a um, local and also world-centric approach simultaneously. It's cosmo-local. And there are different uh, cultural codes that can be simultaneously embraced, including the like indigenous, the way the indigenous people do, they like kind of live off the land and they, and they have like this uh, connection to nature. And then there's the traditional uh, way where there's like, uh, you know, more of a hierarchy and we just like have these rituals in life. There's the modern, which is based on progress and, you know, developing more, understanding nature more. And the postmodern, which is giving everybody, you know, being mindful of people's rights and, and feelings and, and uh, the history of oppression. Like, we can actually integrate these. We can develop a, a more uh, integrative culture that has aspects of each of these. So that's going to involve when people embrace these process, projects, they would probably get more, uh, you know, uh, starting with smaller groups at a local level that where they would be, you know, growing things in addition to having, you know, these meetings with people and, and talking more so rather than sitting at their computer all the time. And this sort of multifaceted embrace of, of life would improve people's lives, improve their communities, you know, Okay. So you say phenomenology. I like this. It needs to be central to the quest to avoid conflict because it has a proven track record in small scale conflict resolution. Yeah. How does it do that? Well, that's the theory of uh, Carl Rogers was the first one for psychothera- psychotherapist to embrace uh, phenomenology in uh, family therapy. And, and group therapy. So what if we could, you know, scale that up is essentially. So it's already, it's already works. You know, there's already a lot of. Uh, so we're talking about therapizing. Yeah. Relationships. It's, 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 it's like community therapy and society therapy. Interesting. So are we talking about, so phenomenology tends to be like, an individual interior thing. Yeah. Yeah. Except that I think that, um, you know, just to get into the terminology of integral theory, uh, they might have a more narrow notion of what I would consider phenomenology. If they're talking about, you know, upper left or, or the interior uh, singular, 
you know, as being phenomenology because there's versions of phenomenology that are also like, you can think of hermeneutics or the interpretation of, of, of people within a social sphere as, as being a type of phenomenology as well. So that's what I mean. I mean, like phenomenology and hermeneutics at the same time. It's just, it's, just a, it's a lot of syllables if I were to say that, you know. Right. I hear you. So how does, how does, so then you're saying that hermeneutics is like a form of phenomenology. Yeah. So based on the terminology that I'm going with, how, how, because it is the, uh, that's the, within integral theory, that's the lower left. That is the collective or plural of the interior. So you are when you when you interact with people that have that we space, it's you're drawing from your own uh, intuitive understanding of of inner experience and using that as a as a key to grasping other people. There are similarities and differences constantly happening, but there's those similarities that provide the capability for the we space and the relating. So uh, hermeneutics and phenomenology are inherently interrelated. As uh, one of my favorite philosophers, uh, Paul Ricoeur, uh, had said. Who? Paul Ricoeur. Who's that? Dude, read the fucking book. What book? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How do you spell it? Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, this is one of those, uh, weird words that last names that has a, um, an O and an E together. Like it's a letter we don't really have. In, in Paul Ricoeur. Yeah. Yeah. O-E-O-E. Yeah. It's kind of like my name. Yeah. 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 Is that it's your like real two last letters name? collided and is that your real last name? Eon? It's not, is it? No. Yeah. All right. It's a homophone. It's yeah. a homophone of my middle name. Oh, okay. Some people are wondering if my last name is real because I'm trying to promote Nordic ideology uh, ideas here in the U.S. You know, and I basically I just started with the the prefix Nor and then took like the suffix from the name Kierkegaard, which is you know he's a notable philosopher. So, so I'll just admit it's it's a made up name. So, what do you like about Paul Ricoeur? Um, yeah, so like it's uh, it's about relating, and also you know the um, there's a lot just a lot of philosophers that I like. I don't want to get too much into any one of them because I mean I'll have yeah, to admit that I, there's people who who would just school the shit out of me on that. Um, so I'm 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 uh, learning, you know. You're still learning. Yeah. I gotcha. So you have a worldview quiz, yeah, or is it someone else's worldview quiz? Oh, it's not mine. Yeah, so it's Anik Debit. Worldview journeys. Yeah. What's this about? Well, so what Anik did was um, she kind of took uh, spiral dynamics, but oriented um, took like the the top four, or actually just like the the traditional, modern, postmodern, and um, then she. She generalized between integral and metamodern, and uh, she calls that integrative, and orients these as not just like stages, like, oh, you're above or below, or they're just different 
ways in which you could be within the world, right? So I thought that's a, it's a really types. types, yeah, worldview types or categories. Everybody's doing the type, yeah, stage. Well, so for shift. the way she frames it is, it's not a stage though. Now I think that right. ultimately it is. But I, uh, when you when you uh, have people take this test and then they can they can kind of see a little better where, especially if they're maybe in the traditional or modern, they can at least get a grasp of what the other worldview types are. And it might help them then to kind of recognize what other people's values are and then help scaffold them to, I think the the aim is still admittedly, it's like kind of a, uh, you know, backdoor way of trying to bring people up to uh, integrative type of thinking um and oh, she talks about bildung yeah whole person development yeah okay yeah now we got aqual okay so she's saving the world yeah you should you should maybe bring her on your show i don't know i, I haven't actually heard her on like any podcast so far but she does those uh, worldview journeys cafe discussions I haven't participated in a few months. I'm in a lot of fan clubs. I'm in her fan club, but also in all other, you know, fan clubs. And they have these, you know, meetings and we can't join them all, you know. Okay. Cool. So what else you got? Uh, What else do I got? I don't know. We haven't really got into like really inflammatory stuff yet. Do you want to do that? Okay. So how racist are you? Gosh, I'm not racist. You look racist. racist. Well, you know, that's, um, that's, uh, white, you're male. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I'll have to admit that there's, uh, hidden prejudices that everybody seems to have. Um, it's, uh, it's really, I think annoying though, to, for what's been going on in like recent years is where some people want to, uh, reduce all, you know, problems in the world and, um, you know, his legacy of people being, you know, oppressed to just racism. Um, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot more to it than that. And I think these people are just, uh, they're being superficial and they're being racist. Like fucking, uh, Robin D'Angelo is probably more racist than most people. And like, <laughs> I think she reducing everything. <laughs> then what the fuck is she confesses we, her racism? Yeah. Have you done that uh, yet? I'm doing that kind of right now. It's like saying that there are different, um, but there's a lot of lot, a lot of other things that I'm sure that uh, you know I I tend to think in terms of like you just have hidden prejudices or biases um, that. Uh, you know, you're not really aware of, and you tend to think that everybody is like you and your culture, you know, but, uh, there's, there, there's a lot more to it than race, you know? And I think if anything, one of the biggest things that these people who, who want to foreground racism so much, dude, you are fucking privileged because you're an American. Okay. There are people out there in other parts of the world of all races who, who are, who are poor as fuck and are struggling to, you know, survive in this world. So, so by saying, you know, you know, people of whatever race in the U S are, are oppressed, 
you guys are all in the in this country. You don't know what real oppression is. You don't re- you don't know what that what it is to like to you know not have food or just uh, you know not not have clean drinking water. Well, maybe they kind of do, but just not as much. I mean, Jesus fuck, right? Yeah. Whenever I hear them talking about the like the one percent, I'm just like, you are the one percent in the world. Well, I, I think that's actually a, a concern for me is that there are some people who are extremely wealthy. And it seems to me what they can do is they can use their, some of their excess money, which is a lot, to brainwash people, you know, with yeah. uh, Fox News and shit like that, you know. Right. And I'm not saying that like that now when I criticize some media outlets as being more biased and more and making and doing worse sense making than others, that doesn't mean that my sources are 100 percent accurate and that I I know the absolute and full truth from the Washington Post and the New York Times. Is that what you read? And among others, you know. I, and there's there's other there's a lot of outlets. Are you left leaning? NPR, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a little bit of a lefty. A lot of it kind of pisses me off sometimes. Those sources because they they've been getting increasingly woke in recent years. You know, like they they I've they heard. they have a lot of uh, headlines that really foreground the race thing. You know, or they want to report on you know someone was in public and they didn't have a mask on. Right. <laughs> yeah. Although it seems like the times are shifting somewhat, a little bit. You know, they've got John McWhorter on there. Yeah, yeah. You it's know, you're right. Woke. Things have been have been. Uh, you know, so I don't think that the that's another thing. I don't want to foreground the whole wokeness versus PC. Uh, and versus that that's that's kind of a thing from last year the culture is changing that doesn't seem to be yeah wokeness is so last year yeah yeah what's next year i don't know one thing i can say is that you know with the last year's presidential election everyone was obsessed about blah 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 trump versus whatever i'm glad we turned the corner on that although i foresaw that joe biden would not be able to do anything really, you know, visionary or constructive or anything because he's suffering from cognitive decline. Uh, Kamala Harris seems to be driven more so by SJW concerns than before by people's actual livelihood, because I think she's a low complexity thinker. Um, So those are the people who are in charge, you know, or, or whoever is behind the scenes, they got, you know, they're, their little, uh, you know, cadre of whatever, uh, you know, in, in the White House. They're the ones who are actually running the scenes. I don't know who exactly that is, but I'm pretty sure it's not Biden because I don't think he's on top of things, mentally speaking, you know. So so right now we have kind of a little bit of a lull or like an eye of the storm. But I think shit's going down, you know, in the near future. I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but uh, we're going to see, right? Going down. Yeah. Did you say we've moved past all the Trumpy stuff? For now, I think. So that I mean, is just that is read the that foreground. Liz isn't salient right now in the, the Wyoming GOP kicked out Liz Cheney. Um yeah, so well, one thing so like she's this. just getting punished for yeah. 
speaking the truth about the election. Yeah. So one thing that's been uh, kind of going on with um, like next year's senatorial election is that uh, there's uh, some some prominent uh, Republicans who are running who have had a history of, uh, you know, domestic violence, uh, allegedly. And um, and then they also like uh, one of the rallying cries that you have to say that last year's election was rigged. So that's like, <laughs> so I just, I think this is going to come down to like, uh, it's going to almost blow up into a civil war because, uh, you know, the, the, some people have, have got to the point where they don't believe in elections. They don't believe that elections are legitimate if they, unless they win, you know? So I, but, but I'll just say that what, what we actually have to do, here's what's going to have, have to happen. We need to rewrite the freaking constitution. The way it's written with the Electoral College and with the Senate, you know, uh, like 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 we're personifying states like Virginia. West Virginia has as much right as California. Yeah. Their people are overrepresented in this in the Senate. People in, in California like me, we have far less senatorial representation, you know, and, and this Electoral College gives more power to some states than others. You know, uh, history. But that's is what full. the House is for. Uh, the house is for for what passing bills that go nowhere because they the, the because the Senate essentially says no because they're they're run by some they, they're far more representation to conservatives than than anybody else on the political spectrum you know that's what the house is for no well so history is full of examples of of uh, power sharing agreements where they give some power more to other people, some sort of distribution of power for a, a purpose. It makes sense at the time, but later, especially centuries later, makes no sense. And that's what we have here. You know, if we don't rebalance it so that it, so that it is more based on the voters, representing the voters equally across whatever state, regardless of where they live, then things are just not going to work. The government is not responsive to the people's needs and desires. It gives far more uh, representation to like rural people who are a, an increasingly a small share of the electorate, you know? So you can say, well, they have their rights. Well, you need to rebalance that. You need to figure out, have like maybe probably a constitutional convention that would try to guarantee certain rights that they want. Like we want to keep our guns or whatever. And then, but then still have, uh, uh, you know, representational rights to for people on the basis of, you know, just being an American citizen. That's what they probably need to do. Wouldn't then just like California and New York just win every election? No, because you have uh, places like Texas and Florida. That's a huge amount of the population and growing. You know, in fact, Texas and Florida are underrepresented in the state in the Senate and also in the Electoral College. So I would think those people would be on board with this. Like you get, you get small states, like again, West Virginia with their narrow coal miner interests or whatever the fuck, you know, or North Carolina, uh, I'm sorry, North Dakota, <laughs> you know, or Idaho. A little bit of elitism s- s- sneaking in there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, if those people in West Virginia want to be uh, join the 21st century, what they can do is they can go back to school or something. I don't know if you're uh, you're going to be able to sell them on your enlightened worldview now. 
Uh, you know, I guess it's not going to be uh, that easy to reach everyone right away. But um, I know that there's just about there's just about no way to convey any of these ideas to people without turning them without making them hostile or suspicious. I mean, I'd have to go there with a Bible in hand and talk about how much I love Trump and in order for them to even start a conversation with me. Or I can try to talk a little bit of, you know, uh, truth to power here or just try to shake them out of their their old way of thinking a little bit. And maybe they'll be a little hostile to me. But there's a lot of worse hostile voices out there. These people might say, oh, we're, we're going to, you know, like, fuck Antifa. I agree with that. Like, I fuck all the, the violence and the, the, the craziness that's out there and the, and the riots. But in order to avoid that, you actually have to change. You have to you embrace some sort of, of change going forward. If you the, the more that the conservatives dig in their heels and re- refuse any change or run someone like Trump again and again, things are going to blow up sooner or later. So if you want to avoid that, then they actually need to, to have some sort of change. But didn't they didn't they elect Trump because of things were being blown up? I don't know. So, I mean, honestly, the with 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 regard to. With regard to that guy, I don't think that he was ever really, in my opinion, legitimate in the first place. I don't even respect the Electoral College as legitimate. I don't submit to it. I, th- I recognize whoever gets the most votes overall, popular vote, where every voter counts just as much as any other. That's, that's, that is what I recognize and, and acknowledge as legitimate. And, and sooner or later, if we don't get that, if the people and I'm not saying I'm the one who's going to be violence, I am not just that I think that some people will. And we need to rebalance the situation to respect people's voting rights. Otherwise, they will. And I'm not I'm not condoning that. I just think, you know, if we want to avoid that disaster, well, there's a peaceful way to go about it. Yeah, I don't know enough about this subject to. to so you've been focusing on the gay frogs a lot, right? So you've been. Yeah, ecofeminism is my. Like I said, I wasn't really focused on that side of things, but I have been focused on political reform and, you know, community development and, and people's. Useless stuff. Yeah, I know. And you've been focused on, you know. Not the, just frogs. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm hoping we can have, like, gay salamanders. And gay lizards, and maybe some gay snakes. There's probably instead a place going, for all of that within. Instead the, of instead of going, they go within it within a uh, within that super g- gen- within a snake diverse gender expression of the ecosystem. I'm sure there's pl- a place for that. That's what we need. We need more gender representation in the ecosystem. Well, all right, man. I think that's it for today. Really? So we didn't, uh, aren't there more bombs we can throw or something? I thought thought you were trying to get canceled. I can't really think of anything. From YouTube. Yeah, we've already said plenty. We used the N word countless times. Yeah, yeah. 
I think we did pretty good. I think we did pretty good. Yeah. Congratulations. I got to run anyways. I got a, another event. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I hope that you uh, ride out the apocalypse in your bunker there. Thank you, man. I, I wish you luck saving the world. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, again, it's uh, it's more of a collective effort, but uh, I'm not trying to put myself as a as a savior, you know. I don't know. I is actually, it a collective effort? Yeah. If, if you look at that, uh, my website. I did look at your team page, and it, was, yeah. it seemed like it was you plus a, like a couple other people. Yeah. Yeah. And they mostly did like website stuff, and yeah. So it really is just, well, you know, the idea was I wanted to get more collective action with this. And then um, there was these people were contributing and other people were contributing and stuff, but I couldn't get them to continue to contribute unless I like paid them. So it was like, imagine that, which brings it back to like task cohesion and you know, the necessity of learning to be self-sustaining and all that stuff. Yeah, I got I got us uh, pretty soon. I'm going to fire off an email to one of those got people on that uh, team page to say I will pay you X amount to do this for for this project here. So there's it's still going. You know, we're supposed to be we're all in this together and we're all volunteering. We're going to make the world a better place. And it's like eh, only if Brandon can afford it to pay you for your your labor. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, need money. I suppose so. All right, man. Thanks All for right. coming on the show. Yes, thank you. Look forward to your impending cancellation. Yeah, yeah. Have a good day. Good day, mate.